0: This episode is sponsored by Unique One Network and MIMO.
1: You're listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross, brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. This show is for advisors, by advisors, on all things crypto, and we appreciate you. And now,
2: here's Tyrone. Tyrone. All right. Welcome back to this episode of the On Purpose Podcast. I am your exhausted startup founder host, Tyrone Ross. Got my Yerba Mate tea here for my voice and my energy levels to bring on my good friend, Kevin Kelly from Delphi Digital. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, Happy Friday. Good
2: morning. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. absolutely. Quite the ride, man. I know you've been busy. I've been busy. We haven't really connected in a bit. So we've been reduced to uh, DMs on Twitter to kind of connect. But I know we go and play a little bit of uh, tennis here with you being here and then, you know, jump on the pod with you, man. But let's just start with an introduction of yourself. I've been telling people for a really long time, have tremendous respect for you and what you've done and what Delphi has done, but really want to lean on that vein as on ramp. now. We're, you know, really leaning into education. And even now, there's still a whole lot of education needed in the space. But tell the people a little bit about yourself and and Delphi Digital. We'll dig in a little bit more after that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Really appreciate it. So. I'm one of the co-founders of Delphi. Uh, we launched Delphi about three years ago now. All of our kind of co-founders come from the traditional finance world. I was a US equity strategist before kind of falling down the Bitcoin and crypto rabbit hole. And so what we kind of set out with Delphi is we looked around, we were, we were all starting to get really interested in crypto. You know, again, with that finance background, understanding the macro landscape, Bitcoin was actually the first you know, big asset obviously I was attracted to. And we were looking around crypto, you know, we wanted to get involved in some way, shape or form, but we didn't know exactly how to do that. You know, we, we, there were a lot of people that were starting funds at the time. We said, hey, let's take a step back. Let's try and understand this emerging asset class, if you want to call it that, before really kind of jumping in. And so when given the fact that we had, you know, some equity research people on our side, we said, can't really find, you know, a credible research outfit that was putting out, you know, the, the type of, I guess you call it institutional and great analysis that we would expect in traditional markets, right? Like the equity world. And so that was kind of the genesis for Delphi. We said, let's, 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 let's just crush that one aspect. Let's go in, let's really understand this asset class, let's put out research so people can understand what's going on, right? Let's start to kind of figure out some of these on-chain metrics, all that good stuff. And so that was kind of the the catalyst for launching Delphi research. You know, fast forward three years now, we've had the privilege of not only having some of the top funds and 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 thinkers in the space as some of our clients, but uh, we've also had the privilege of working with some of the most prominent projects across DeFi, you know now NFTs, starting to get into some of these creative verticals, a lot of these different crypto projects um, to help them think through things like token economic design. Again, really kind of leaning on that traditional finance understanding. And so as Delphi sits today, we've got three primary verticals. You've got the research arm that still runs you a know, basic subscription model. We've got our Delphi Labs arm, which is actually incubating projects and consulting with projects. And then we've got our venture arm and we launched that a little over a year ago now. And, and that's really to allow us to put you know, financial capital behind as well as intellectual capital behind you know, some of the projects and teams in this space that we think are kind of really moving the needle. So we've got this three-headed hydra that uh, obviously has a lot of synergies, a lot of the divisions have synergies with each other. And we've grown to a team of almost 50 people now. And we started with you know five of us in a, in a small WeWorks. It's certainly been a, a heck of a journey, but we're loving every day. I remember the WeWork days, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I was just joking with Zach Prince, too. I'm
2: like, I remember going to BlockFi and y'all in that little office right off the elevator, man. don't yep. <laughs> Yeah, never forget where <laughs> you come from, man. It
1: was funny. Our first hire uh, was this guy, Paul, an analyst who reached directly out to us and said, we'd love to work for you guys. And we brought him in. And at the time, we had a four person WeWork and there were five of us in it. So we were already crammed. And I think day one, Paul just basically pulled up. He had a, a chair, his laptop, and we put him on a little rolling filing cabinet was his desk so we've we've certainly come a long way from those days but that was fun right that was that was kind of the grind behind it absolutely
0: there's so many blockchains and nft marketplaces these days and none of them work together introducing unique one network the easy way to build multi-blockchain defi enabled nft marketplaces where instead of picking your favorite blockchain you let your users and creators pick for themselves Powered by Polkadot, One Network lets you service NFT creators and collectors across art, photography, philanthropy, gaming, finance, and more. So do yourself a favor and head over to UniqueOne.network now to learn more. That's UniqueOne.network to learn more. Looking to exit the volatility of crypto, but don't want to deal with the inflation of the dollar? Minting PAR using MIMO DeFi is exactly what you're looking for to get ahead of that. PAR is the number one Europeg token on the market, minted at an incredibly low 2% interest rate and backed by collaterals like Ether, Bitcoin, and USDC. Stabilize your portfolio, open a vault, and access the power of blockchain through MIMO protocol today at MIMO.capital. That's MIMO, M-I-M-O, dot capital.
2: So, you know, one of the things that I love is, and I tell advisors, if you're really looking for research that is familiar to the type of sell side research or just information that advisors get and familiar with, right? Anyone on the institutional side, you guys are the closest to that, in my opinion. There are a bunch of other folks out there doing it, but every time, you know, I'm blessed to have, you know, a, an account and a login with you all and just, you know, read some of the stuff and the presentation of it is phenomenal. So was that the thinking when you started to put this together? Obviously that traditional background, but you knew that there was a way that crypto would have to be presented. And listen, I'm in your Telegram channel. There's stuff in there that I'm like, no idea what this is. I don't have time to go down there yet, but I still feel like whenever I pull up the pieces that it looks and feels like what I'm used to being, you know, in the space 12 years.
1: Yeah, I know. And that was the original idea was we wanted to kind of marry or, or I guess bridge the gap between, you know, what a traditional investor would look for in terms of re, you know, investment research, but at the same time being conscious that this product would evolve over time and we would have to be kind of nimble with it in terms of what we cover, how we cover it. And so it's, it's a bit of a mesh of both, right? But in which we try and present it is, at a certain point, and you know, being in crypto, there's a certain ethos around things. It's very kind of community and sentiment driven. And so you have to respect that when you're, when you're looking into some of these projects, when you're researching these projects, when you're talking to some of these teams the way in which we try to present it is give you the kind of long-term conviction or long-term outlook of, of what it is we're looking at whether it's bitcoin whether it's ethereum whether it's some of these other you know you know more esoteric uh, crypto assets kind of lay out the narrative of okay here's why we're covering this here's why we think you know this is potentially bullish or bearish on this and then from there we get into and this is what we really lean heavily on and I think is what helped distinguish us is we're extremely data driven so you see the rise of new kind of emerging trends right nfts all of that we'll go in and say, okay, how much data is there around this? right? How can we actually slice and dice this market and figure out exactly what's going on, where are the opportunities, you know, where are the potential risks? Because obviously there's a lot of risks still within crypto, even if you look at the kind of top of funnel uh, Bitcoin world. So long story short, a lot of what we do is combination of both understanding the communities, understanding the sentiment, understanding the narratives that are driving crypto, but then putting data behind that and saying, okay, what's underappreciated, right? Or what do we think is going to emerge in the next six, 12, 18 months? And how can we you know, help our readers and our members kind of position themselves to take advantage of those trends?
2: Love it. Yeah, that's what I think if advisors get more familiar and get at home with it, that they'll start to appreciate the angles that you all take. Again, the, the thread that you posted this week on Bitcoin and addressing, again, you guys are very balanced and truthful in your data because, right? The numbers, mm-hmm. numbers don't lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. <laughs> right. So you look at that the correlations, the volatility, you know, the digital gold narrative, all of those things. So with that, let's stay there for a minute because the other thing is a, a lot of the feedback is, okay, well, this is something that I I do want to do. We could do this from two sides. One is you from doing the research and founding the company, what do you feel if financial advisors should be looking at or paying attention to? not necessarily metrics, maybe, but that you guys put out that you think would be of value. And then I could kind of fill that in with what I think and also what we've been hearing. But just want to know, like, what, what do you say from your end? You say, you know what, this would be extremely valuable to the RA space.
1: Yeah, I think, and to your point, there's two sides there, right? And, and I can get into a, a handful of even key data providers that we use that anybody can go and sign up for and and start to track some of these metrics that we have. And we've got a free research portal as well. So anybody can go there, reach out to myself directly, happy to give you kind of samples of our stuff. A lot of what we're trying to do at the end of the day is educate, right? That that's a majority of our job at this point is educating our both ourselves and then trying to convey that to our our client base or our member base. You know, one of the things I think is important, and this is, you know, not to sound preachy or long-term focus, but I do think that having a, a really strong long-term outlook, right? And not strong in that you know you have steel feet and your conviction is never going to change you know, when new information comes in, but having a clear idea of where you think, at least directionally, the world is kind of going, right? From a macro perspective, in my opinion, is one of the most important things when it comes to understanding Bitcoin and then getting into crypto as well, right? And some of the crypto assets trade um at this point, you know, don't necessarily even trade with high correlations to Bitcoin because you're actually starting to see some dispersion in the market where healthy projects that come out and are actually showing impressive fundamentals and growth will trade as they should, right? It's not just one kind of market at this point, which is really exciting to see as this market matures. But getting back to this longer term conviction, you know one of the things you mentioned that thread we put out earlier this week, after we saw that big kind of drawdown in Bitcoin from the all-time highs earlier this year, you know, I came out with a thread and said, listen. I called the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it was a bit of a chart book. And I said, the long-term conviction we have in Bitcoin has not changed, but the charts and the data is showing that we could be bouncing around this you know, 30, 35, 40K level. We'd be trading in this range for quite a while. And that was a month ago, a month and a half ago. And lo and behold, we've, we've pretty much you know stayed in this range. And one thing I think is important is you separate that short-term versus the long-term, right? Longer-term, however my conviction has never been higher in Bitcoin because if you look at all of the kind of narratives that are driving markets today, right? It's starting to seep into traditional markets. You've got ideas of obviously inflation really kind of ramping up and coming back. You've now got the narrative that the Fed might be tapering their bond purchases or raising interest rates. And this idea, while that's all certainly possible, I think longer term, when you look at the connection because of decades and decades of monetary policy and low interest rates and pushing people further and further out the risk curve, these are conversations you've had. You force people, savers, right, to go further out the risk curve and now use financial markets as a savings vehicle, right, or a saving substitute. And, and what's difficult about that is now the real economy and financial markets, that correlation between those, right, the, the interconnectedness between those. Is stronger. And so, what that means is if you have anything that really threatens financial markets, right, stocks, bonds, what have you, the moment that you see a certain kind of drawdown within those markets, it really starts to seep over into the real economy. And so, the reason I mention that is because I think the Fed and central banks, it's almost kind of they're playing the hand they're dealt right now, right, but they're between a rock and a hard place. And I don't see how they can really remove themselves from the equation without sending markets into a tantrum, which is then going to Funnel over into the real economy, right? So this idea, this longer term idea of fiat currency debasement, you know, money printing, all of that. While in the short term, you know, maybe that trend decelerates or slows. I think longer term, that trend is still in play. And I think that's just important to keep in mind when you look at, you know, a Bitcoin chart and you're trying to track short versus long-term trends, being able to zoom out and have that long-term perspective is really important.
2: Great feedback and points there, because I do think, again, the conversations that we've had and looking at advisors that are getting questions from clients. And listen, there are, I think Novograt said 4,000 advisors at Morgan Stanley that have been trained, right, of their 12,000 to make Bitcoin available to their clients. There are $100 billion RIAs that still are at the starting line with this. It is fascinating times that we are in everyone is looking at it as, I say, long-dated call option on the store value. Mm -hmm. The digital gold thing, I'm a little iffy on, but that's just me. Everyone that we talk to is a long-term view. One of the things for me is, okay, well, now we can't use discounted cash flows or the capital asset pricing model here or all of these different things. How do we get advisors to say, okay, this is a network. It's a monetary network. How do you find value here So I think not to give you homework because you guys do everything, but it'd be really cool to see, as we were saying before we started recording, is these observable metrics, as I call them, right? Network transaction value and you know daily active accounts and addresses rather, and and things like that. I think where advisors will be able to look that up on-chain data and realizing like this is auditable. So is that something that you think would be valuable as well? Because I think from what I'm hearing, what I'm saying, I do get the nod in agreement that that could be something that they would find valuable.
1: Yeah, definitely. Two things I want to head on there. One, to your point, the on-chain metrics and, and what I love about this space and being you know research analyst in this space is, it is audible to your point, right? A lot of this data is readily available. Now, being able to pull or query that data isn't necessarily easy. And so you've got a handful of providers that we use literally on a daily basis, Dune Analytics, Glassnode's a big one, especially for yeah. Bitcoin on-chain data. They've yeah. been tremendous. And looking at these things and and what we try to do with our research is, okay, how do you actually, how do you use these on-chain metrics and look at holder trends and the amount of transactions that are happening? How do you actually use these to not just predict where price is going, but get an understanding of what's happening within the Bitcoin market, right? Why are things happening the way they are, right? Why do we see a large drawdown from 64K to, I think it's trading right around 32 today, right? Basically got sliced in half. We look at things like open interest and how much leverage is in the system, because again, you have these permissionless networks and you have a lot of we'll call them centralized exchanges that operate in the gray area, right? For lack of a better word, that allow you to take on a lot of leverage. So if you're a retail, right? And you're coming in and you're levering up your positioning, knowing how much leverage is in the system can also help you kind of prepare for big drawdowns or to the flip side, you know, big, big upward movements. So the first part is yes, the on-chain kind of data is really, really important for understanding this. And there's a lot of great providers out there now today that you can literally sign up for and start to do, you know, your own homework, your own due diligence on this. The other point that, that you brought up that I think is also really important to hit on is we try and take a very pragmatic view of Bitcoin in the crypto market, right? Yes, we buy into the long-term thesis. Yes, you know we've fallen down the proverbial crypto rabbit hole, But at the end of the day, if you look at something like Bitcoin, right, this concept I mentioned, you, know, broad-based fiat currency debasement, and, and all these kind of bigger, you know, buzzwords or terms, the narrative that sets up Bitcoin's long-term success, what we think will be its long-term success, isn't necessarily just. Isolated to Bitcoin, and what I mean by that is, starting points are really important here, right? So, monetary debasement not only should boost you know the price of Bitcoin, but it also is going to be a tailwind for things like precious metals, gold, also equities, right? If you know, there's some scarcity that in that sense, and these risk assets, and so that's not to say that the S and P 500 can't continue to break new highs. I can't say that gold can't you know get back up above two thousand an ounce, and it's been probably even push you know well above that the point that we take with Bitcoin is it's the most levered bet on this monetary debasement theme. And so the amount of capital that it takes to really push and move the needle with Bitcoin is a whole lot less, right? So 10 years from now, I'm sure the market will be, the the stock market's going to be up, right? I'm sure gold's going to be higher. I just think, and we think Bitcoin will, in terms of the actual return you can get, right, by getting in, let's say today, that return potential is so much higher because it is still such a nascent asset and still, to your point, largely inaccessible to a lot of people, right? A large cohort of people. And so that's another thing I think is important and we try and you know, keep and put in perspective is, if you're looking at this purely from a multi-asset portfolio allocation standpoint, having Bitcoin at this point, I think is almost becoming you know financially responsible, right? To, to, to actually have that because you're giving the, the asymmetric upside, the opportunity for this thing to really outperform in this long-term view that we have around monetary debasement, that's kind of our base case for this, right? So it's not to say that everything else, you, you put everything in Bitcoin and you, and you sell everything else, you ignore everything else. It's just putting a little more emphasis on the return potential of Bitcoin relative to some of these other, the opportunity cost or, or of investing in some of these other asset classes.
2: So as we start to wind up here, we're big on education, obviously, at on Ramp, right? So we're saying three things, EAT, education, access, and tools, OnRamp Academy is something, again, we've seen incredible demand for, and there's still so much need for education in the space. So an advisor right now hears this conversation and wants to engage with you all. Is there like some bare bones, basic stuff for tools that they can get access to until I drag you guys into OnRamp Academy? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So if you go right to our website, DelphiDigital.io, we've actually got, and you click into our members portal, we've got a free members portal where we've some information, some reports that are kind of in the weeds to your point. So that might take a little bit of uh, of learning ahead of time. But we do have, you know, some primers on Bitcoin, Ethereum. We put out these long form reports that a lot of them, you know, a couple of them are a year, maybe even two years old. But a lot of our conviction around why we started to cover this space is still there. So yeah, to answer your question, long story short, we have a, a ton of free information and, and free access to that. And anybody who's looking to get more in the weeds around this stuff, we've got our own podcast. So we yeah. are bringing in a lot, of, a lot of people that are working in this space to try and understand, again, you know, what they're working on, how they're kind of building towards this crypto future, but also reach out directly to us. All of us co-founders, all of our analysts, we're all on Twitter. DMs are always open. You know, we, we love talking to people about this stuff. So you know, don't hesitate to drop us a line.
2: Yeah. I will tell everybody, the whole team over there, I'm a big fan of. They're incredibly smart and they do answer DMs. So <laughs> yeah, DM them. So awesome, man. Before we go, I think let's just end here in, in your perspective of the space as a whole, not necessarily Bitcoin, not necessarily DeFi, but the next 12 to 18 months, what does that look like for you? Not price action, but you could see some momentum picking up here just of the, the announcements and the banks and the, you know, the family offices and the folks that are really starting to engage, Ray Dalio keynoting at consensus, right? Like we're turning the page here. So does the next you know, 12 to 18 months look like before we let you go?
1: I think what's most exciting to me right now about this space, right? And this is going to be a, a, maybe even a bit contrarian because it doesn't have to necessarily deal with the institutional side of investors coming into this you're starting to see real communities build around these different crypto call protocols or tokens or applications, right? And while price is all well and good, what you're starting to see and what people are literally building and developing today, which I think is only getting accelerated over the next 12 to 18 months, are the tools to allow anybody to come into crypto and start to make positive contributions in some way, shape, or form, right? Whether you're coming in and you have ideas for token economic design you're posting on these forums of these different you know applications or protocols whether you're coming in and you're able to serve as a moderator right because maybe you're just starting to get your feet wet but you want to be actively participating in these groups and these communities the tools are being built so that anybody can come in and do that and what I think is really exciting about that is you and I have talked about this a ton offline but this widening wealth inequality gap, right? Which only really kind of got worse because of COVID, right? We, we, I don't want to get into that side of things, but let's just yes. say this is where we are today, right? The widening wealth inequality gap is one of the, I think, biggest kind of structural headwinds to not only economic growth, but just really the social fabric of you know, society today. And what crypto is going to allow and is starting to allow is for anybody to come in, start working on these protocols, and start to work and build wealth in a way that is very difficult in the, we'll call it traditional kind of corporate sense, right? So we know that capital builds wealth, labor doesn't build wealth, right? And if you can come in and start working with some of these, these project teams and contributing and getting paid in a capital asset, right? That you again are contributing to, and you're getting paid, let's say in tokens, but you're, you have high conviction in what this team is building, and you're right there at the forefront, helping them kind of bring these things across the line, I think that is extremely exciting because then when you talk about what the future of work looks like, right, and this is more kind of five, 10 years down the line, I think the future of work is going to be entirely revamped and the tools and the infrastructure that's needed to support that type of kind of remote work is being built almost hand over fist today in crypto, right? And it's very early stages. We're just starting to see this kind of sprout up, but that's really honestly what long-term makes me super excited about being in this industry
2: throwing chum in the water, bringing up wealth inequality at the end of the podcast, man. We could go another I just want to keep talking to you, man. That's all (laughs) it (laughs) was. I know, man. This has been awesome. So before we go, best place to reach you, to reach everyone, uh, you know, over at Delphi. Hit them with it. Where should they go?
1: Yeah, we're on Twitter, Delphi underscore digital. Uh, digital DelphiDigital.io is our site. You can reach directly out to us there. Myself, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Kevin underscore Kelly underscore Roman numeral two. Is my twitter handle but yeah feel free to reach out dm whatever awesome
2: you guys know the drill if you made it this far to the podcast when you log off here please go to nokidhungry.org feed a hungry child if you can and whatever you do in life make sure you do it on purpose and oh by the way bitcoin for advisors october 6th i believe i think it's october 6th we live in nyc so come out chop it up with us i think mr kelly will be there if not we'll confirm yes, him and get him there So y'all mark that down, October 6th, but go to nokidhungry.org, live life on purpose. Mr. Kelly, I appreciate you, man. Look forward to seeing you in person very soon, sir.
1: I appreciate you too, sir. Have a great
2: one.
0: You've been listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross. This episode featured Tyrone Ross with guest Kevin Kelly. This show is produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau with announcements by Adam B. Levine and additional production support from Eleanor Paul. Our theme song is Lambo Dreams, Have any questions or comments? Send us an email at podcasts at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.